The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke, glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And so also Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with his betrothed, Mary, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there was in the same region shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly with the angel, there was a whole multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom he's pleased. Now when the angels had departed into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherd's words. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, for it was exactly as they had been told. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Luke to record this Christmas story. And we believe these words not only had power in the day that Luke wrote them, but they have power this night. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit and open this, your word, to us now that we would be changed more and more to be like the Christ child. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Christmas really asks us a particular question. Every time we hear this Christmas story, the question spoken over the hearers is this, do you know how much you are loved? The Christmas story asks each person that hears this story, do you know how much you are loved? Now many of us can think of family and friends who love us. Some of them might be sitting in the pew next to you or just a phone call away. People you know love you. But the difficulty we have is that the people who love us are just people. And being people, they're imperfect, they're inconsistent, and we are certainly imperfect and inconsistent. And we certainly don't always feel the love, do we? Sometimes we have a difficulty showing our loved ones that we love them, don't we? 
Sometimes we struggle to show our loved ones that we love them. It's like the man who's attending the marriage seminar. And he's sitting in this marriage seminar all weekend and he realizes, when is the last time I told my wife I love her? I've been totally negligent for so long in in telling and showing my wife I love her. So on the way home from the marriage seminar, he stops to the florist and gets 12 long-stemmed red roses. He gets her a box of chocolates. He walks in the door, hands her the gifts, wraps his arms around her, passionately kisses her and says, honey, I love you. And she pushes away from him and says, oh, George, I've had a horrible day. I got a flat tire on the way to work and Johnny got into a fight at school and the dog got into the trash and now you come home drunk. (laughs) Sometimes we struggle to show the people we love that we love them. But God doesn't struggle to show us that he loves us. He doesn't struggle. It's on display for us. Every time the Christmas story is told, it's this declaration, do you know how much you're loved? You need only look into the creche and see the swaddling cloths. Just one thing, the swaddling cloths wrapped around Jesus. Verse 12, the angel says that this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, many, many cultures have this swaddling practice with infants, and it goes back a long way. Archaeologists have, in fact, found little carved statues of swaddled children that go back thousands of years, even before Jesus. This swaddling of a baby is a common practice. Now, in our house, I was the swaddle master, I really was. Now, Monica did all the heavy lifting. I mean, she bore and birthed and fed the child, four daughters. One of us would burp the child after eating, but I did the swaddling. You see, there's a particular technique. It's about how you take that swaddling cloth, how you lay it and how you fold it, how you place the child in the swaddling cloth, and then how you carefully tuck those arms and legs together, wrap it gently but firmly, and tuck in so the child cannot wiggle out. Because if they don't get swaddled properly, they can't settle and they can't sleep. This swaddling is what happened to baby Jesus. Jesus was swaddled. And we can miss that point, but the angel says it's a sign. In other words, the angel says, pay attention to the swaddling because in the swaddling bands, in those swaddling cloths, we find the gospel. The gospel is in those swaddling bands if we can hear it. Because here's what this sign of the swaddling band says to us this Christmas Eve. The swaddling bands say that Jesus was swaddled so that he could be with us. He, God, became swaddled in order to be with us. But not only was he swaddled to be with us, Jesus was swaddled so that we could be with him. Let me show you what I mean. First, Jesus was swaddled so that he could be with us. Verse 7 says again, as Mary gives birth to her firstborn son, wraps him in swaddling cloths, lays him in a manger. Twice in this passage do these swaddling cloths come up. But it really makes no sense 
when you realize who it is who's being swaddled. You see, the angel tells the shepherds that this is the sign. You're going to find a swaddled baby. But verse 11, he's the Christ, which is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the king, the long-awaited king of Israel, but not just royal, Christ the Lord. 75 times in Luke's gospel, 75 times he uses the word Lord, curios, and every time that word means one thing, it means God. What the shepherds are being told by the angels is that they're going to find a swaddled baby who is the king and somehow God. It makes no sense because swaddling, the image, implies binding. It implies restraining limiting, holding. Somehow God is going to be swaddled is what this sign means. They symbolize these swaddling cloths, exactly what's going on. God has become limited, bound, held within a human frame. God has become a human being, swaddled, bound like us. I mean, the earliest Christmas carol, the earliest recorded Christmas carol says the exact same thing. Do you know what the earliest recorded Christmas carol is? It's in the Bible. We believe it's, it's in Philippians chapter 2. And Paul records this early hymn that really is a Christmas hymn. This is what the early church would have sung, it seems, at a Christmas service. And it goes like this, describing this act of God becoming man, God becoming bound. It goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, the key word from this ancient Christmas carol is the word emptied. That God, the Son of God, emptied himself freely. He made the decision to freely empty himself without ceasing to become God. He was still God, but emptied himself of all the privileges of deity. He emptied himself of his omniscience, of his omnipotence, of his omnipresence as the old hymn says, emptied himself of all but love. He was bound freely. He took the form of a servant freely. He became like us. Human, bound, limited, swaddled. But why? So that he could be with us. I mean, that's, that's the first part of the Christmas story is that He's swaddled to be with us. I mean, let's be clear. There is not a ladder tall enough that we could find God. There is not a spaceship fast enough that we could go and somehow find God. This is the creator of the cosmos, the creator of space and time, who stands over and outside of his creation. We can never find him if we search for him. He must come to us. Dorothy Sayers, the wonderful mystery writer, uh, she was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, 
Dorothy Sayers wrote mystery novels. She was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford. And by her own self-description, she says that she was not particularly attractive. Well, she was a brilliant mystery writer. And her most famous mystery series was the Lord Peter Whimsey mystery detective novels. And she wrote this, this aristocrat, Lord Peter Whimsey, who goes off and solves mysteries, and he's a detective and solves crimes. And, and, and about five, four or five books into the series, partway into the series, all of a sudden a new character is introduced, is written into the series. A woman named Harriet Vane. And, and here's how Harriet Vane is described. She is a mystery novelist. She is a graduate from Oxford, though she's a woman at that time. And she is described as not particularly attractive. And she comes alongside Lord Peter and helps him solve crimes and eventually they fall in love and they get married and she truly rescues him from his troubled life. And here's what literary critics of Dorothy Sayers say. Here's what happened. Is Dorothy Sayers, the author looked at the world that she had created, looked at the man that she had written and created into this story, and she fell in love with him, and so she wrote herself in so she could be with him. This is the Christmas story. God has written himself into our story. The author and creator of all comes down into our story, swaddled to be with us in love. But see what's amazing on Christmas is it's not just that he is swaddled, Jesus is swaddled, the son of God, the author of creation is swaddled to be able to be with us. Because that's not enough. See, he's swaddled in order that we can be with him. See, more is required than just that he would come among us. Because here's the question, if God was to move into the neighborhood if God was to live among us, write himself into our stories, then how could he possibly live with us? I mean, how do I know that he's gonna stay? How do I know that he won't tire of me? How do I know that I'm even lovable? See, verse 14, the angels have this often mistranslated verse. At the end of this declaration about this sign of the swaddle, there's this moment where they say, glory to God in the highest, and you know the Hallmark Christmas cards that get the verse wrong. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Goodwill to men. That's what's in the Hallmark Christmas cards. It's a bad translation of the text. Here's what verse 14 actually says. Glory to God in the highest and peace. Peace, that peaceful, righteous relationship with God. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And it kind of takes the fun out of it for a moment because you realize, oh, the peace is for those he's pleased with. Because I don't know about you, but you know, if you're going for a job interview and you brush up your resume and you put all your best attributes out there and you interview really well, the last thing you want is for them to phone someone who lives with you in your house. Because we are not pleasing. We're not pleasing to those we live with. We're broken. We're incomplete. We're human. And we're certainly not pleasing to God. Jesus is the only man who ever walked the earth who was pleasing to God. Verse, chapter 3, verse 22 
of Luke's gospel, he's coming out of the waters of baptism. What does God the Father say? He says, you are my son, my beloved with you. I'm well pleased. How could that ever be our story? Well, here's the good news. Jesus is swaddled, not only so he can be with us, but he's swaddled so we can be with him. Here's what happens. Verse 11 calls him a savior. A savior. He's coming to fix something. He's coming to fix us. He's not just writing himself into our story to be with us and leave us as we are. He's writing himself into our story so that he can do what must be done to fix us that we can be pleasing to him and live with him forever. And here's how it happens. Look again at the swaddling cloths. Look at the swaddling cloths. You see, this language of Savior points to the swaddling cloths here at Christmas. But the next time that swaddling bands come up in Luke's gospel will be after Jesus has climbed to the top of Mount Calvary, has been crucified and borne the sins of the whole world. Everything that is displeasing about you and me, bearing that in his body, dying the death we should have died, taking our punishment on his shoulders. And as he has completed that work of bearing our sins, what are we told? In Luke chapter 23, verse 53, Joseph of Arimathea comes and asks for the body of Jesus. And as he takes it, what does he do? He wraps strips of linen around the dead man's body. The strips of linen, the swaddling bands are back. But now after death. See, we realize in this moment that suddenly that binding, that sign that he's limited, that he's vulnerable, that he can be swaddled, is to the ultimate degree. He, in fact, can even die. And that's the reason he had to be swaddled. Because Jesus had to stand in our place. It wasn't enough for him to simply come and visit us and then leave. He came so that he could die in our place, swaddled, limited, broken, frail as we are, vulnerable enough to die in our place. But thanks be to God, that's not the last time we see the swaddling cloths. Because in the very next chapter, an Easter morning, when Peter goes to the tomb, and the body's not there, what is there? The swaddling bands. Now Jesus had let them go. The son of God who came down and allowed himself to be swaddled, to be limited, to be restrained by this human form, now has been risen from the dead, conquered it, and has thrown those swaddling cloths away. And this becomes our story. Now, because of what these swaddling bands have meant. Not only has God come to be with us, but he's made us righteous. He's made us pleasing in his Father's sight, able to dwell with him. It's interesting. Ambrose, who was a fourth century a doctor of the church, a preacher, he was the one that converted St. Augustine. Actually, sorry, Augustine's mother converted him. Ambrose helped. The prayers of a mother. But Ambrose wrote these words describing this limiting, the self-limiting of God for the sake of saving us to be able to live with him forever. 
He says, he was a baby and a child so that you may become a true human being. He was wrapped in swaddling cloths so that you may be freed from the snares of death. He was in the manger that you may be in the stars with him. He had no place in the inn so that you may have mansions in heaven. And then quoting St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, he being rich for our sake became poor, that by his poverty we might become rich. Do you know how much you're loved? It cost him everything not only for him to live with us, but for us to live with him. It cost him everything. He needed to be swaddled, limited, vulnerable. And that is love. It's interesting. Mary, in verse 19, we're told, treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And those, those words are great because they mean she kind of worked them over in her heart and mind. See, Mary was there right from the beginning, and then she watched Jesus grow and she watched him go through his passion. She watched her son die. She watched him raised from the dead. She watched him ascend into heaven. And then Mary continued in the church. We're told that John the evangelist is given charge over Mary from Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. And, and she's taken to Ephesus and she's a member of the church community in Ephesus. Can you imagine being in church in Ephesus, in the church on Christmas with Mary? Can you imagine sitting there worshiping Jesus on Christmas with Mary in the room? I would imagine if I was the pastor, I'd say, no sermon tonight for me. Mary, why don't you come to the front? Can you share us just a little bit? All of that pondering, all of that treasuring over all those years, as she considered through her whole life and through his whole life, death and resurrection, what it meant that God had been swaddled in her arms, swaddled in that tomb, and then broke those swaddling bands and gave us our salvation. I wonder if Mary would have stood up and said something like this, these words from the poet Lucy Shaw. Blue homespun and the bend of my breast keep warm this small hot, naked star fallen to my arms. Rest, you who have come so far. Quiet he lies, whose vigor hurled the universe into being. He sleeps, whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath, so slight it seems no breath at all, once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world. Older than eternity, now he is new. Now native to earth as I am, nailed to my poor planet, caught that I might be free, blind in my womb to know my darkness ended, brought to this birth for me to be newborn and for him to see me mended, I must see him torn. Do you know how much you're loved? The angel said, this shall be a sign for you. That you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying 
in a manger. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. This is love. Merry Christmas.